This podcast contains adult language and mature themes, which may not be suitable for all listeners. So listen at your own fucking risk. To Essential NPCs, the podcast where we sample some of the best and possibly some of the worst tabletop RPGs. I'm Tommy. And I'm Addie. And you're listening to Series 3, Episode 1, Pixis Diverted. Wow, Series 3. Here we go. Ooh, all right. Uh, so a quick rundown on how Series 3 is going to go. It is a short series. That means it's only going to be 10 episodes as opposed to the usual 20. Also, the short series doesn't have like a session zero, like get to learn the system type uh, thing like the other series do. And that means that there won't be bonus episodes either. It's going to just be a 10 episode series done in 10 weeks. Well, we'll still have bloops at the end. Oh, yeah, bloops. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, come on. We can't get through a session without making some bloops. <laughs> so series three, uh, we are going to be playing the system Uncharted Worlds. Quick rundown on Uncharted Worlds uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar with this system. It is a very rules light, very narratively driven uh, system um, where uh, most of the dice rolls revolve around rolling two D6s. Uh, it's two six-sided dice. Whenever you are uh, prompted to make a roll by the GM, uh, you roll two D6s and add the appropriate stat or subtract the appropriate stat uh, depending on what you're attempting to do. Uh, and then what happens is if the total of those two dice and the modifier equals six or lower, you've rolled a failure. If you've rolled a seven to nine, you've rolled a partial success. And if you roll a 10 or higher, you get a full success. And in very few situations, there are some things that like happen if you roll a 13 or higher. It's like a really crazy good success. Right. Um, so uh, when I say a partial success, uh, it means usually along the lines of uh, like there's some kind of complication or something doesn't go perfectly well. Like maybe a really simple example would be like you shoot somebody and you get a partial success. So like, yeah, you hit them, but then your gun jams or something like that. Whereas if you would roll a full success, you just hit them outright. Like you succeed in what you're trying to do, but then something bad happens. Uh, the fun thing about the game, uh, about the narrative driven aspect of this game, though, is that uh, a lot of times the complication comes in the form of a story element changing uh, in an interesting way. Uh, yeah, and the main mechanic of the game is um, what's called moves. Um, the GM has a list of moves they can do, and then the players also have a list of moves. And what happens is the players do something, and the GM decides that that's a move. And so they ask them to roll the appropriate stat, and then depending on what happens, either the players dictate what goes next or the GM does. Um, so a lot of times it will be like, okay, you succeed at a cost. What happens? <laughs> and then the players get to write the story in a way, um, which can make it pretty daunting, but also this really fun, constantly changing story that everyone is pitching in. And when the players roll a failure, that's when the GM gets to like jump in and be like, this, like <laughs> an assassin drops from the roof. Like I've been waiting to use this assassin. <laughs> Another interesting thing about Uncharted Worlds is um, that the rules are all there, but the setting is pretty uh, bare bones and like open. Um, and this encourages uh, 
game runners and players to uh, create a sci-fi world that they want to like run around in. Um, like it's it's definitely not like a setting like you would see if you opened up like D and D or Shadowrun. Like those have very specific settings and very specific history in those worlds. Uh, part of the reason we chose this system uh, was because um, those of you who have looked at our cast page on our website might uh, remember that Addie is, in fact, a writer. And one of the uh, uh, settings that she visits frequently in her work uh, is a sci-fi setting of her own creation. Um, so we're going to be playing in this setting um and uh we're going to give you a rundown on some of the details of that setting in a second um but you know if you're really interested in it and you want to get a taste of Addie's writing go to our website and go to the extras uh section there you will find for download a short story written by Addie set in this world i believe the uh short story takes place like a millennia after this campaign very takes nearly place. yeah but but it's still like it's still like you can kind of see like a little bit of like the world in action um and uh, it can help like give you an idea of the setting um but we're not going to uh you know give you homework or anything like that um if you don't want to read that that's fine uh we're going to kind of give you a rundown on uh the history um as well as the different races which Final thing uh, about Uncharted Worlds is it is a humanocentric uh, setting, uh, meaning all of the rules assume uh, a futuristic sci-fi setting that is all humans. There's no like weird alien races or anything like that. Adia's setting has a bunch of alien races. Um, it's actually uh, humans are not the most populous uh, species in the galaxy. And uh, so... We're going to be playing some of those races, and you're going to be uh, running into some of those races. So we're going to try and get you guys familiar with those. Um, so uh, the three to really look at going into the first episode um, are the three that are being played by the uh, different players. Um, so there's me. Uh, I am playing uh, a Nyloth. Nyloth are uh, an alien race that is kind of like an anthropomorphic... Uh, wolf type thing but also with like a touch of deer um <laughs> uh a nyloth is like a maned dog uh very lanky and uh you know fur and the big ears and stuff um but they also have like hooves for feet like deer um and then also they have uh straight uh antlers like almost like a gazelle and uh they walk on two legs and uh, they, as a culture, kind of abhor violence. And the reason for that is because if they ever get into a fight, they kind of go into a mindless battle rage, almost like a shark. Like they just lose themselves in it the, and they just like murder all the things. <laughs> and yeah, that's not a good thing for like a civilized culture. So they try really hard to avoid conflict. Um, another race that's going to be being played is the Myphora. Uh, which is uh, Sean is going to be playing a Myphora character. Uh, Myphora are like huge pink fairy armadillos. So big and adorable. Um, <laughs> uh, they have uh, like armored plating going from their head all the way down to their butt, um, all along their back, like their back. And uh, they are quadrupedal. They walk on four legs. Um, and when they're on all fours, they still are about five feet tall and when they go up on their hind legs they're like bears they're like eight or nine feet tall um their underbelly is all soft and fuzzy and cute and they have little marsupial pouches um the third uh race that's being played uh is uh tenreki um which uh are kind of like anthropomorphic hedgehogs or tenrex if you're familiar with tenrex 
Um, uh, they are, you know, they're about four feet tall. Uh, they have kind of shorter legs and shorter arms. They have like long snouts and, uh, they have quills all along, uh, their back. You know, it's like, uh, from their head all the way to their tail, uh, these spiky quills that are like black and yellow in color. Um, and, uh, Tenreki have naturally heightened reflexes, which makes them, uh, really, really good pilots. And Seth is going to be playing, uh, Tenreki. And there is a fourth cast member. His name is Dan, and he's going to be playing a human. So I think you know what a human looks like. Um, but uh, that's just kind of the rundown of the, the races that are being played by characters. There will be other races that will be mentioned and you'll run into along the way. Um, and we're going to try and give you uh, as much information as possible without giving you too much of an information overload. Um, so I think the final thing to do really quick is to kind of just set the stage for what this world is. And that's where I'm going to let Addy take it away and uh, kind of tell you the history of uh, this setting so that you uh, know what you're in for. And then we'll start the episode. So, story time. Welcome. <laughs> so, uh, the history of galactic space um, has to start um, at the beginning with the Nyloth. Um, the Nyloth were the first space-faring race in the galaxy. As their homeworld, Revisterin's orbit, began to deteriorate, they were pushed into spaceflight earlier than their contemporaries. They settled on three planets, Umerin, Kaparin, and Shalakrin, all in the Goldilocks zone around their star. With more space for their population spread across three worlds, they were able to grow and evolve into a successful race on an accelerated timeline. Having conquered and explored their own worlds, they began to explore new systems, reaching out into the stars, methodically mapping and taming outposts on each planet that could sustain Nyloth life without too much hardship. After hundreds of years, the Nyloth came across a swampy planet they named Pampolrin. The planet was overpopulated with two sentient species and millions of animals. These species, which they learned were called the Karmani and the Tenreki, were a highly evolved and technologically advanced semi-bipedal amphibious species and a marsupial spiny-backed slaved race. The discovery of sentient life shook the foundation of the Nyloth governance to the core. Suddenly, they weren't the rulers over everything they saw and touched. For the first time in millennia, the Nyloth were not in perfect union. Some Nyloth believed that they were the superior race and destined to rule all the others, while the other half of the population were either ambivalent or cautiously welcoming to the outsiders who could advance their civilization. And while they were not typically viewed as complete equals, the Karmani were a respected race and quickly brought into the fold. The Nyloth gave the Karmani the technology necessary for air and space travel. The Karmani, in return, shared with the Nyloth their superior propulsion and anti-friction technology, and also offered a free labor source of the enslaved Tenreki, but the Nyloth declined, believing it a barbaric practice. Boosted by complementary technology and the recently assigned Yapalic Accords, the Nyloth and Karmani set off in search of appropriate breeding worlds to relieve the overpopulation of Amanti Non. The Karmani proved to be a hardy and adaptable race. They were able to choose planets 
outside of the Nyloth Goldilocks zone and spread rapidly to every world they found, creating new familial hierarchies with carefully selected matriarchs. After the seventh established homeworld of the Karmani, their fleet began to discover other races. Some had already discovered space travel and were technologically superior to the Nyloth and Karmani, uh, like the Sif and Gamalar, or had already been introduced to high technology by the Sif, such as the Daisy Podita and Myphora, and the others that were found were raised up by the introduction of Nyloth and Karmani tech. Within a short 1500 galactic years, the number of sentient species populating the once emptiness of space had blossomed to eight. The Nyloth, Karmani, Tenreki, Sif, Gamalar, Daisy Podita, Myphora, and Hyrax, most assimilated into federated space with little or no conflict due to the Gamalar's telepathic nature aiding the diplomacy. As each species was discovered and assimilated, the fissures within Nyloth society widened. No race, but perhaps the Sif, was considered close to worthy of the equality they were given by the Yapalic Accords. This was the particular view of the Nilothian Prime Movement, or the NPM. By the time that the Myphora were signing their addendum to the Accords, the NPM had a strong following, mostly in the Nyloth military force and the homeworld of Koparin. The NPM glorified the days when the Nyloth had occupied the lost planet of Rutvisterin and advocated a return to the days of Nyloth galactic superiority. At the ceremonial signing of the Myphoran addendum, the NPM staged a coup killing nearly everyone in attendance and declaring their intention to take the Nyloth's rightful place as the sole rulers of galactic space. Many Nyloth ships had had mutinies, some put down and others succeeding. The responsibility of most galactic law enforcement had been placed in the hands of the dis diplomacy at all cost Nyloth, and about half of the military fleet was lost to the NPM coup. The war raged for 17 galactic standard weeks until a fleet of multi-species ships attacked the NPM homeworld of Koparin and their flagship, the Tersterin, destroying them. The few thousand NPM remaining were rounded up, branded Exodol, and banned from galactic space in perpetuity under penalty of death. The remaining Nyloth took up the moniker of Galactic Nyloth to show their solidarity with the other races, and with their numbers decimated, nearly half of all the Nyloth, Exodol and Galactic alike, were dead. The reconstruction after the quick but devastating Nyloth War took much longer than the war itself. It was decades before the reparations had been paid and new treaties were written and signed. It was only when the new structure of galactic governance had been established with all species given equal say did anyone feel truly at ease. It was then that the permanent governance fleet was established with its own dedicated and secured jump gate. This fleet and its flagship became known as the Nexus. The primary labor force for the construction of the Nexus flagship and its surrounding fleet was the enslaved Tenreki. As time had gone on, they had been granted more freedoms by the Karmani because of pressure from the pre-war Nyloth and Myphora. However, once war broke out over all known space, the Karmani clamped down hard on their slaves, with harsher punishments for disobedience and fewer freedoms granted for good behavior. 
The Tenreki, who were bred and genetically engineered to be subservient, had never launched a widespread rebellion. They had sued for freedoms in the planetary courts and made inroads with diplomatic measures. After the war was over and Reconstruction commenced, few Tenreki were returned to their homes. Instead, they were moved to sites of other importance. Many of the shunted individuals were eventually stationed in the governance fleet, building the dedicated jump gate or the Nexus flagship itself. Just after the jump gate was completed, a freighter called the Asivium 2136, carrying the last of the solar sheeting for the Nexus flagship, made an error in its jump gate protocols and was spaghettified, throwing shrapnel across the governance fleet and destroying the jump gate. The Tenreki on the remains of the jump gate scrambled to restore emergency functionality while being exposed to lethal amounts of radiation. The Tenreki residential ship, which until that point had been out of the spray of the destroyed 2136, voluntarily interposed its massive size between the jump gate and the rest of the fleet. The ship, the Technoka II, was destroyed, and with it, nearly one million heroic Tenreki. After finding out what the Tenreki had done convinced the Myforan contingent, as well as a number of other races, that it was time to end the enslavement of the Tenreki. The Karmani of the Galactic Fleet had provisionally approved the emancipation of the Tenreki, and the Tenrex and Tenrex across the galaxy began their new lives as free people for the first time. However, the matriarch of the first hierarchy was in clutch at the time, and as soon as she emerged from her isolation, she rescinded the emancipation, ordering all Tenreki to return to their masters. Many did, nearly three-quarters of the population that had been freed. However, the rest went into hiding and began an insurgent war using guerrilla tactics, ambushing and bombing Karmani settlements with surgical precision. All the while, they argued their case in the Galactic Senate, who could do nothing but sanction their Karmani and suspend their full membership in Nexus space. It was only when a band of very lucky insurgents infiltrated the new clutch months later and threatened to kill the next generation of the first family did the matriarch decree the Tenrekis free from enslavement forever. After the dust settled on the Tenreki emancipation, Nexus space, though peaceful, plummeted into economic toil. The loss of the free workforce caused manufacturing prices to skyrocket, and ships set to replace the ones lost in the Niloth War were halted mid-build because of costs and lack of skilled workers. It was then a large fleet of unknown and archaic ships were discovered entering Nexus space. The fleet was made of human ships, which had been traveling at in space at sublight speed for nearly 900 years. These humans left their home world due to overpopulation, preferring to seek their fortune in the stars than languish in the polluted streets of their home worlds. In need of resupply, the humans struck a bargain. They would serve as a labor force for trade and then move on, wanting nothing to do with permanently joining the Nexus space. They would stay for one generation and then be on their way. As they left, the wayfaring fleet sent a schematic of unoccupied space with a sector highlighted, humanity. With the stabilization of the Nexus economy, a new period of peaceful prosperity began. Interspecies tensions lowered and the system began to work anew. An exploratory and protective force was established called the Galactic Exploratory and Protective Services, or GEPS, 
and soon hundreds set out in search for the lost human species. But the sector seemed devoid of human life once they reached it. There was an, an exhaustive search. Every section of that sector was explored. But it only ended when a very different semi-sentient race was discovered by a Tenreki Sif scientific expe expedition. The species had no discernible language and caused everyone who came into close contact with them to fall into a catatonic state and, if not retrieved, eventually perish. This new threat to the Nexus halted all official searches for the human species. This new species, dubbed the denizens of Planet 39, were quarantined to their homeworld. Through the years of careful and dangerous study, mostly done by the Sif and Gamilar, it became clear that they were a fully sentient species that communicated empathically, broadcasting their emotions to communicate with those around them. Efforts to teach them a vocal language languished, until the group that was moved to Planet 42 made a breakthrough. They were allowed to associate with the general populace of the Nexus and travel as they pleased. However, pockets of citizens were reporting having been manipulated or overcome by their emotions of their 4-2 neighbors, as they had come to be called. The Nexus, with no way to protect their citizens from the 4-2, decreed that all 4-2 must return to their homeworlds and await public safety testing. Some 4-2 chose to undergo the testing, while most elected to simply stay within the company of their own kind. Although the GEP's search effort for humanity had officially been halted during the 4-2 crisis, some still searched for the lost civilization. A SIF mathematician known by the name of Aloiani was the first to take into consideration the archaic nature of the wayfaring fleet's instruments and the high probability that they hadn't factored in galactic rotation when calculating the highlighted human sector. She commissioned a, sh a ship, the Meloria, uh, in order to search for the civilization, and at the end of a two-year expedition, they reached her coordinates. The Meloria's crew found the soul system, and every planet populated with humans. They reached out to make first contact with the lost human civilization, using the language taught to them by the Wayfaring Fleet and were quickly fired upon. The Meloria sent a distress signal towards Nexus space just before being captured. A year later, a large galactic fleet arrived in the Sol system in order to save the Meloria and its crew. And miraculously, a peace was brokered with the humans without a single shot being fired. The humans were brought into the fold of the Nexus with unprecedented autonomy. They were promised a jump gate directly into the soul system and an and immediate full nexus citizenship. In exchange, they were to hand over a majority of their abundant fleet of metal spacecraft, something the nexus still had not fully replenished since the Niloth War and the Tenreki Emancipation. The treaties abolished GEPs and established a new independent but cooperative military to the Nexus, known as Galactic Battle Command, or GBC. Humanity flourished as it spread into Nexus space, integrating nearly seamlessly and with vigor. The GBC established an academy and became the new law and order in Nexus space, humanity sharing its reins. The Nexus races joined in accord and facing no internal or external threats, established a lasting peace and prosperity that until now 
has gone unbroken. And that's the more or less the history leading up to now, right? Um, so humanity was integrated how many years before the campaign started? Uh, roughly like two to three hundred, basically five generations. Okay, so like five generations after all that. <laughs> um, that's that's where we uh, kick off this campaign. Uh, we are on a GBC patrol ship with uh, a special task uh, to transport uh, science crew. It's predominantly for scientific research and evaluation for terraforming new planets. Right. So we, we move them from uh, sector to sector. We basically drop them off in a planet and then patrol around that sector for a while and maybe move them to another planet and patrol for a little while longer. And when they're ready, like when they've done all their sciencing, <laughs> um, uh, they give us a call and we come and pick them up and, you know, move them to the next sector or whatever. Um, and then like that science crew kind of uh, f- like cycles through like every year or so. So the uh, campaign kicks off with us on the Pixis, uh, entering uh, the Rakesa sector, which is the where the uh, Karmani and Tenreki homeworlds are. And uh, we just picked up a fresh new science crew, and uh, we're going to go about our prime directive, I'm sure, with no interruptions or complications. That is the plan. <laughs> um, so... Uh, I know that's a lot of information for everyone to remember uh, right off the bat. It's a lot of world building just kind of like thrown there at the beginning. Um, If you guys are having trouble following while listening to the series or anything like that, uh, shoot us an email, Facebook message, something like that, uh, because we could take uh, basically that whole story that um, Addie just read and like post it somewhere for people to be able to read it and kind of like process it at their own speed. Um, Check out her short story on our website. And uh, finally, the character art for this series is just around the corner. You can kind of see uh, Lily Durmeyer's artistic renderings of these different alien species that we're playing. Uh, it's really cool. Can't wait for you guys to see it. It's going to be coming out um, uh, like tonight or tomorrow, probably. Something like really soon. <laughs> And I want to remind you guys that um, you can always send us any questions you have about the system or the world or anything that's going on in the podcast. Uh, Shoot us an email or Facebook or tweet or whatever, and we will answer your questions in Words with the GM. So don't forget you can do that because we love the back and forth with you guys. And without any further ado, (laughs) we've talked to you guys plenty. Uh, Let's jump on in to Series 3. Episode 1, Pixis Diverted. Enjoy. I am Captain Andalith Dorovan. Approximately 10 years ago, I was given command of the GBC patrol clipper designation Pixis. My father, who happens to be the Nyloth High Counselor, was less than pleased at my decision to stray away from the political legacy I was born into. I willingly left the burdens of fundraisers and backroom dealings to my sister and enlisted as soon as I was of age. I believe in a ship with clearly defined rules and protocols. Galactic Battle Command's standardized procedures exist for a reason and therefore should be respected and observed. However, a good captain selects a crew that can compensate for his own shortcomings. As such, I have handpicked an unlikely bunch of officers to serve by my side. They may require official reprimands on a regular basis, but I would lay down my life for them in an instant, should the situation arise. Though, as a Nyloth, I naturally view any situation that devolves into violence as a failure of some degree, so let's hope it never comes to that. Hi, 
Lieutenant Nashikali Hasha reporting, pilot of the GBC Pixis. I was raised aboard the orbital station Hephaestus, descended from the comms officer on the Technoka 2. The military definitely wasn't my first career choice. It wasn't really a choice at all. See, I'm pretty susceptible to suggestions, so when an old station friend of mine called up with a job offer, I didn't think to ask too many questions. Turns out, stealing a jump code and trying to make an unapproved jump is very, very illegal. Lucky for me, the officer that caught me offered me a decision. Prison or go to the academy. Me. Captain Dorvin saw my flight record and scooped me up just after graduation, and I've been flying this bird ever since. Name's Master Chief Steve Armstrong. Grown up on Titan, you learn real quick that it's a shiv or be shivved world there. Only way to survive is be faster than the other guy. Them's the kind of skills that got me picked up by the Seoul military. Train me to travel the stars, meet important people, and kill them. Did that for quite a while, until I had the opportunity to transfer to Galactic Battle Command. Took the chance to get out of the life of violence and make a new start for myself. Serving aboard the GBC Pixis may not be as exciting as being a Black Ops assassin, but it pays the bills and is a hell of a lot safer. Most of the time. Instead of trying to kill everyone I meet, my official duties now include making sure all the Marines are ready for a fight, onboard security, and keeping track of all the liquor consumed in the ship's lounge. Captain even entrusted me with his knockout toxin should he ever fall into a murderous Nyloth battle rage. Unofficially, don't ask me what I do on this ship. Uh, my name is Major Araman Touch, head engineer for the GBC Pixis. I left Maba on my Fora homeworld on a mining ship when I was just a pup, with dreams of romance and discovery among the stars. What I mostly got was seven years of indentured servitude in the engine room, but then I escaped to join Galactic Battle Command, whose academy taught me real astronautic engineering with the occasional foray into doomed romance. After graduation, I served on a dreadnought until my old academy buddy, Andalith Dorovan, became captain of his own ship and asked me to engineer for him. The idea of soaring through the sector with a friend by my side, meeting new people and doing some good? It just makes my big dillo heart flutter. And who knows, maybe somewhere out there in the cold vacuum of space, there's a burning star of love for Araman Tudge. The crew of the Galactic Battle Command ship, the Pixis, has successfully picked up its uh, replacement science crew and is now in the process of jumping back to the Rakesa sector, uh, the assigned sector for their scientific research. Jump successful. Captain. Yes, Iota? Where would you like me to plot a course to? I defer to you, Dr. Amadin. Uh, what's your first planet to be scheduled? I suppose we'll head towards the uh, Karmani homeworld. Uh, that way we can re-up for any supplies that we need uh, as we take stock. Uh, Lieutenant Hasha? Set a course. Yes, Captain. And we're on our way. Here we go to the planet. Nev no, no singing, no. Lieutenant. Oh, I forgot. I forgot the rule, Captain. I'm so sorry. It's okay. Just keep your head in the game. Head game. Got it. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. Captain, it seems we have an incoming comms relay. Would you like me to answer it for you? Yes, put it up on the screen. Analyst. Huh. It's uh, your direct commander. Actually, it's Commander Smith. Oh, cool. oh, Commander <laughs> Smith. He's a human. <laughs> no. Oh. Uh, Commander, to what do I owe the pleasure? 
Seems that uh, the Nexus has been doing some, uh, you know, diplomatic stuff. And uh, apparently now we got to run over to like the cozy, you know, the monkey, the monkey peoples. The Kozilin girls. Yes, them. Um, we need to go there before they change their minds again. And you have the science team. So you're going to go. I'm going to send you a packet because like whatever, because, well, you know, but you're you're good at the kind of like diplomat, you know. Uh, I don't I'm out. know if I quite. Uh, of course, Commander. Uh, Iota, can you open up that packet for me? Absolutely, Captain. Boom, what, boom. what am I looking at? <laughs> so uh, the, the, it uh, is a briefing. The Nexus, the galactic space <clears throat> government, has uh, been concluding negotiations with the Koziland Goa, which is a um, simian race on a small planet near the Karmani homeworld. Uh, they're a recent addition to the galactic diaspora, and uh, it's been a long time coming that they allow anyone on their homeworld. Apparently, uh, negotiations have concluded that a science team is uh, has been uh, permitted to do some biological research, uh, research um, on the otherwise untouched homeworld. Are we to be... Inspecting the Karman or the uh, Kozalunagoa or the wildlife or uh, the packet says it is an exploratory uh, mission um, for the, your science team uh, to go and not study the uh, sentient life but uh, the environment, plant life, um, and uh, there are rumors that there is a large predator race um, that uh, may or may not be sentient. Dr. Amodin, I suggest you take a look at this packet and uh, disperse it amongst your crew. It appears we have new orders. Um, Lieutenant Hasha. Yes, Captain. Set a course for Gallant. G Gallant, Captain. The Kozalund Goa homeworld. Oh, crack. Yes, Captain. On the, on, on the way, Captain. Do you know I know somebody on Crash? Do you? I do, yeah. There was... Um, Can you tell me uh, about the Kozalund Goa religion, like what they would call their leader? Um, sure. So the Kozilungoa uh, have a sort of um, amorphous Mother Earth uh, religion. So uh, not unlike the um, the uh, Myfora religion, mm -hmm. uh, they're very similar. Um, but they are much more about like ebb and flow. So they don't have a technical leader. It's more of a, like a community. Based, like what would like, like a religious leader be called, like a pastor? They don't really have designations. Oh, okay. So there's not really <laughs> a person who does Yes, it. Yes, on uh, Hephaestus, there was a small place of worship, and uh, there was a Kosalingoa monk that, went, that ran it. Oh, and this monk is now back as, on the homeworld. As far as I know, yes, he traveled back from Hephaestus when the worship place didn't actually go so well. There's not a whole lot of Kosalingoa that go through the space station. It makes sense. They like to keep to themselves. Hmm. Well, perhaps we can get you some leave to visit your friend. Ah. How are the engines looking, Major Tudge? What? Oh, um, uh, hang on. Uh, they're all fine. Everything is in working order. All right. Are we going to be able to make it to Gallant uh, without a pit stop? Uh, oh, easily. We can actually get there a little faster uh, if um, everything goes well. Oh. I just maintain to regulation speed as we approach. Oh, regulation when we go down to regulation? Wait, you want regulation? Yes, please. Oh. I would like a... 
This home world has never been visited before. We need to make sure we go through the proper procedures when docking. Okay, Captain. Uh, according to the to the docket, are we supposed to um, meet with someone at a station or go straight to the planet? Uh, according to the packet, you are to get planet side as soon as possible. Iota, can you open up a private comm with Lieutenant Hasha? Of course, Major. Uh, hey, Lieutenant, I know the captain said a lot about protocols and regulations, but I've actually been wanting to test out a little improvement I made on the engine. Oh, what kind of improvement, Major? Uh, I think, uh, what, what's our estimated uh, ETA there, too? Uh, I think right now it's uh, 30 minutes out. Oh, well, I think I can get us there in 15. <laughs> Uh, if you can get us twice as fast, Touchy, you know I'm going to do it. <laughs> well, okay, I'm just going to need you to not go down to regulation speed. I'm sure the captain won't okay. notice. Captain already told me to go down to re- uh, go down to regulation. Uh... <laughs> now, I don't really have anything to do on the ship on like a day-to-day basis. Don't tell the captain that. <laughs> um, could I have been listening in on this private communication? I have a lot of time on my hands <laughs> and experience in no clandestine work. Uh, it is entirely possible that you could be in one of those two rooms. All right, yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Which room are you in? Oh, I'm uh, I'm hanging out in my hot hole in the engineering bay. <laughs> oh, good. All right, um, so I'll, I'll step out. Uh, you know, I know uh, the engineering bay is really your purview, Herman. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you doing in here steve don't worry about it um i think i could probably rig it so the uh speedometer so to speak says we're going regulation wait is steve there yeah he does this <laughs> just shows up in my how did you even get in here i said don't worry about it herman i'm worried <laughs> well quit it you want me to mess with the speedometer or not yeah all right uh hey iota can you um just get me into the uh, the command prompt for a sec. I'm afraid not, Master Chief. You don't have the clearance. Mm, I, I don't know if that's true. Let me hold on. Let me let me let me try typing in my password again. Uh, and can I roll? Can I roll interface to? Uh, yeah. Uh, that's five. <laughs> I don't believe that's the correct password. Would you like to try again? Yeah, you know, it's, it's one of those hard ones to remember. It needs lots of special characters. <laughs> uh, let me. Let me just, I, I think I can remember it. Uh, that is seven. Command prompt open. All right, and then I'm just, I'm just going to tinker with the speedometer so it just always says we're going regulation speed, regardless of what speed we are actually moving. Even oh, zero? I like that. <laughs> Captain. Yes, Iota. Master Chief Armstrong has done some er, er, Iota? Er, Nothing. Sorry to have bothered you. Iota, could you open up a a comm between me and Master Chief Armstrong? Yes, Captain. Chief Armstrong. Yeah, what up, Andy? Iota seems to uh, be malfunctioning. Would you happen to know anything about that? Yeah, there was uh, one of the the, uh, access panels uh, just knocked loose. I, I just took the liberty of screwing it back on, you know, making sure no one can tinker around in there, make any changes, you know, to regulations. I know how you like your protocols. Yes. In the future, uh, go through the proper channels when, when repairing IOTA. Um, I don't want any wires crossed. That's much more uh, 
major Tudge's or um, one of the other crew's jobs? Well, I, well, I had Tudge supervise. You know, I'm, I'm down in the engineering bay. You know, I get around the ship a lot. I've noticed. While I have you on the line, uh, prepare for uh, planet side uh, uh, operations. We're go we're going on a planet. I get to, I get to go on a planet. Yes, we're going to Galant, the homeworld of the Kozalingoa. Shit. We have new orders. We have to uh, deploy our science team there instead of uh, Kalmani uh, prospective planets. So what you're saying is you need me to make sure there's no predators out to eat our science team. Yes, but you do know what a Kozalingoa looks like, yes? Yeah, they're little monkey fellas, right? Yes, that's one way of putting it. Uh, then yes, prepare, prepare just in case. We don't know what the wildlife is like out there, so I want you to be fully on point. Roger that, Captain. All right, and I close the channel. Meanwhile, <laughs> on the engine, I think I'm just going to recalibrate a few of these thermal isolators and maybe... Uh, sure, go uh, ahead and roll um, your skill. Expertise. Sweet, that's an 11. That's a full success. Uh, uh, so you get to choose uh, exactly what happens. Okay, so with a noticeable jerk... Uh, the uh, acceleration capacity of the ship uh, doubles <laughs> Brief <Whoa>. briefly. <clears throat> uh, Lieutenant Hasha? <laughs> yes, Captain. What was that? Uh, what was what, Captain? Was there... What? That jolt. <laughs> uh, a jolt. Jolt. I didn't feel a jolt. Did anybody feel jolt? No jolt over here. Yes, you know, nothing, Captain. I don't know what you're talking about. Major Manatep, you have the bridge, <laughs> and I exit the bridge. <laughs> no, this is only going to last, you know, about half an hour, so don't push it too hard, but... Not pushing. Oh, man. <laughs> These capacitors are at capacity, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> um, so you've improved a part of the ship, a piece of technology. Right. Yeah. Uh, so that triggers an advancement for everyone gains one XP. We ride. <laughs> uh, I enter engineering. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm currently like hugging <laughs> like one of the, um, uh, radiators basically. I'm just like, uh, it's to stop it from shaking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, Captain. Major Tudge. There seems to be uh, something going on with the engines and with IOTA. Uh, yeah, it's called cold fusion. It's really interesting. You want me to explain it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think we have time for that. I just want to make sure everything's squared away. Are you all right with that piece of equipment there? Oh, yeah, it's great. I mean, it's just really warm. And, I, you know, I felt a little chill in the room earlier. Do I need to send some crew down to give you an extra pair of hands? What if? No, I have enough hands. <laughs> you look, you look more occupied than normal. Well, oh yeah. Well, let me just tighten a few of these bolts here, and <laughs> like go to uh, reach for my wrench, which is in my pouch, <laughs> um, and like the. <laughs> little furnace there it's like starts shaking it's like this is fine there's <laughs> a few loose screws i think i'm going to grab a cup a couple of the privates to uh serve as an extra pair of hands um i no that's all right I i'd don't... hate to have a repeat of of the last time we uh we <laughs> went planet side no that was fine everything ended up okay <laughs> but the privates i don't i don't think they respect me <laughs> 
I'll tell them to be on their best behavior. <laughs> and I, I go and I grab uh, two, uh, two crew members to, um, uh, to assist Major Tudge uh, in the operation of the engine room. Yes, sir. <laughs> what are their names? Selini. That's a Sif. And uh, surprisingly, also um, Sabaftagoraloxin, who is a lolly. And what, what, what race is that? Laurel Loren. Or a lolly. Private Cellini, Private Sabaftagoraloxin, could you please assist Major Tudge in the operation of the engine room? I would hate for something to go amiss uh, as we approach this very delicate diplomatic situation. Yes, sir. Yes, Captain. I can't believe we're, we have to do this again. <laughs> It's, I don't know what he does. He, does, he seems fine. He takes up all this space. What are we doing? <laughs> oh, hey. Hi. Don't mind me. Nope, don't. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I bet the, the captain sent you here, right? Yep. Everything's fine. You know, I don't... So we can go, sir? Yeah. Thank you, sir. <laughs> we'll just stay here. <laughs> <laughs> Hugging this radiator. <laughs> Were those were those both ladies? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Technically, Laura Lauren are both. Oh, yeah. So yes. Ding, ding. We are approaching the planet as a. Captain, I believe that we're approaching the planet at a, an accelerated rate. Accelerated? No, no, no. Look, look see, here's the uh, here's our, our 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 rate of speed right here. The uh, uh, odometer right there. You can check it. Just look look on screen. It's right there, right, Iota? What does the odometer say? Regulation. See, we're totally fine. Um, what's the XO's rank? Uh, major. Major. We're totally fine, major. Totally fine. You are all. Creating something, something is go. I am going to find the captain, and I will get you off of this ship if it's the worst thing. Rah, 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 and he starts heading away. So Manny Tap finds you and uh, tells you that Iota is bugging out, and that there is, there seems to be a discrepancy in the um, rate of speed of the ship. I go to the nearest calm, and I uh, patch into the bridge. Lieutenant Hasha. Yes, Captain? I need you to bring the ship to a full stop. We're having technical difficulties, and, and I want to make sure everything's squared away before we proceed. A uh, full stop, Captain? Uh, and I jerk the ship to a stop just before Atmo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so roll piloting. Uh, eight. Sure. You do that. Uh, the radiator falls off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, jeez. Oh, oh, On my way yeah. down to engineering, I bump into the two privates. <laughs> what are the two of you doing here? I told you to assist Major Tudge. He told us we could leave. For the love of... <laughs> Come with me. <laughs> and I uh, walk back in with them. Major Tudge. I am on my back. <laughs> oh, which no. I am I am I am shell up with a radiator on top of me. It's like, whoa. Okay, I would say everything is fine, but that would be a lie. <laughs> <laughs> Private Sebastian Gorlaxon, I need you to assist Major Tudge. Uh, Private Cellini, give me a readout on the screens. I want to know what's going on here. Uh, 
okay. So the other one runs to help you roll this, metal this with a, a plus one. This is a pretty embarrassing way to meet, huh? <laughs> Would you describe it as cute? Uh, six. <laughs> no! <laughs> uh, it says that um, we're at a full stop, but we're also at speed. Hey, I'm still on my back. If anybody, <laughs> just push. To flip me. <laughs> Let me give you a hand for that, and I assist in the lifting of the radiator off of Major Touch. So that's a plus two. Oh, uh, it's another six. <laughs> you are stuck. I guess I'll just lie here. Can, can one of you get one of my books off the shelf? <laughs> <laughs> Private Selene, do you have the technical capacity to reboot Iota? Uh. Yes, Captain. Uh, I need you to roll command. Sure. Uh, Chief Armstrong, would you please report to engineering? Uh, I'm a bit busy prepping my Marines for uh, landfall here. You really need me up there? I mean, I can I can come up, but you know these boys, they get rowdy without me. I look at Tudge <laughs> pinned under a radiator. It's a pretty happening place. <laughs> Everybody who's anybody is here. Un- unfortunately, Mr. Armstrong, I do believe I need you. <laughs> all right, then. None of y'all shoot anything while I'm gone, all right? <laughs> uh, and I, uh, I'm going to take one of my various hidden passageways on the ship to just outside the engineering bay to get there, you know, in like 35 seconds. You arrive and you see Tudge. Underneath a uh, a very large, almost as large as he is, and he's almost eight feet long, uh, a slab of radiator. Uh, two privates, one look like straining um, from uh, trying to lift the radiator. The captain standing, watching over everything, and the other one sort of flicking a switch off and on again. Um, the uh, the command roll I made was a ten. All right, and then it's a. Di- Yes, Captain. How can I help you? Uh, Could you report our speed, please, Iota? We are at full stop. Perfect. Chief Armstrong, could you please relieve Major Tudge of his newly acquired burden? Yeah, give me one second. Hey, Iota, can you just take a picture of this for me? (laughs) No, 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 no. That's not necessary. (laughs) I'll leave you to it, and I walk out. (laughs) Everything on the ship is recorded. Right, can you just send a screen grab of what's going on in this room right could, now to could, my personal Could you terminal? not do that? Can I override that? <laughs> you are the senior officer, Major Touch. What? <laughs> <laughs> Don't send a screen grab. Send no screen grabs to, to Mr. Armstrong. That's fine. Take I'm that. in charge of the records anyways. All right, Touch, let's get this radiator off you. <laughs> Okay. Uh, so am I rolling metal, or is he rolling with an additional bonus? You are rolling metal. That is 10. All right, you succeed. What happens? Uh, all right, so I uh, I lift the radiator up just enough for Tudge to start getting out, and then I'm like, and I, I drop it just, just a half inch. And then I, don't worry, Tudgy, I got you. And I, I, I pull it back up and uh, let him, let him escape. Thanks, Steve. You're welcome, Herman. That's not my name. <laughs> uh, before I went to engineering, I did, uh, when I parted ways with the major, um, with my XO, I told him to go and see over the science team to make sure they were prepared. Um, 
I return to the bridge and I lean over uh, Lieutenant Hasha. Hi, Captain, what's up? Uh, it appears there was a malfunction in IOTA's programming. Oh, you wouldn't happen no. to know anything about that, would you, Lieutenant Hasha? What kind of uh, what, what kind of uh, malfunction was it, Captain? Was it a, like a programming error or uh, primarily she was she seemed to be set to uh, read our speed at regulation, regardless hmm. of what speed we were going. Hmm. 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 That's that's very interesting, Captain. Yeah, I wouldn't know anything about that. That coupled with the happenings in the engineer engineering bay, uh, with certain subsystems seeming to malfunction. Huh. I believe you could shed some light on this. Captain, I was up here right the whole time with you. I don't know what you're talking about. Did you have any communication with Major Tudge? Comms, Captain, no. Uh, You know, comms, Captain. Lieutenant, I don't believe I need to remind you of the extremely sensitive situation we're going in here. No ship from the Nexus has been allowed on the Kozalund Goa homeworld. Mm. We are going to be the first. Mm. We're going to be the representatives of the Nexus for many of the people who live on this planet. Yes, Captain. You may be the only Tenreki they ever meet. Do you understand the magnitude of everything going by the book? That's pretty magnitudinal, Captain. Yep. All right. Pretty magnitudinal. Take us planet side at regulation speed. Yes, Captain. Thank you. Yeah, I do so. I head on out. And I stand directly behind the pilot chair, as you do. <laughs> Just going regulation speed, Captain. Nothing going on with me here. I can see that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> and it looks like we're about to enter Atmo. Here we go. Yes. <laughs> um, so the, the, the world is acting against you at this moment. Hmm. Um, because the Cozy Lingoa homeworld has an opaque sky. Um, basically, acid clouds surround the entire planet, um, be- and that's why they weren't discovered, even though they were so close to many other sentient species. I sure hope it doesn't rain. Um, so I need uh, whoever is um, uh, controlling the uh, shields to roll shields. I'm all about shields. <laughs> Shielding yourself from your emotions. Uh, Ten. Okay. Uh, so you, the ship takes no acid damage from the uh, clouds. Um, and then uh, it is a fairly tree-filled planet. Uh, it's basically a rainforest planet. Mm. Uh, so I do need you to pilot in between the giant, like, redwood-esque tropical trees. Oh, these are some big trees there, Captain. Better get ready. Hang on to something. I right, grab onto the back of your chair. Oh. <laughs> uh, that is a 10. All right. Uh, you successfully navigate it. Woo! Oh, jeez. That was a big one, Captain. You see that one? Excellent work. Popped out of nowhere. Uh, Iota, can you hail the Kozaloon Goa government for me? <laughs> the government proper, Captain. Yes. Patch me in. Hello? Hello. This is Captain Andalith Dorvin of the... Galactic Battle Command Clipper, designation Pixis. Hello. Uh, I'm here due to the recent uh, negotiations with a science team to uh, survey your wildlife and your planet in general. Oh, that, that sounds like fun. You guys got here fast. Yes, we were, we were uh, hasty in our, uh, in our approach. Uh-huh. But um, is there a certain quadrant you would like us to land on? Um, to deploy? 
Do you want to talk to my mom? Why <laughs> <laughs> the child answering the government phone? Yes, I believe I would prefer to speak to your mother. What is your name? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, do you have a, a designation in common? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> All right, I'd like to speak to your mother, please. <laughs> Can I make an assessment from that short uh, interchange about the Coastal Angoa society, or do I have to wait to actually be on the planet? No, you can you can do it now. Cool, awesome. I got a seven, which is three data points. No, sorry, no, which is one data point. Okay. Uh, so when you want to know something, yes, then you, you can spend, spend data. your data point awesome. to know something. Dope. So uh, the screen actually opens up. Before, it was just a, an audio call. Mm -hmm. And uh, there is a small creature uh, that is simian-esque in nature uh, with, like, a reddish hair and white spots and very large eyes uh, in front of you. Uh, the Pixis, yes? Yes, I'm Captain Andalith Dorvin. I'm sorry. She loves to answer the comms. Um... Welcome. We didn't expect you for another hour. Um, we're not quite ready, uh, but uh, if you'd like to set up at this location, and a nav point pops up in your um, systems, uh, this is where we've prepared your site. Um, it is away from all of the religious um, things. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't know how much you know. So, um, welcome. Stay here, and uh, we'll send an emissary out. They're on their way. It takes a while. We travel by tree. Um, so we'll get there. We don't have a ship. Um, did you need anything? Uh, no, I believe we'll be, we'll be all right. Uh, I look forward to meeting your emissary when they arrive. Yes. Excellent. Um, right. Thank you, Pixis. Uh, no problem, and I apologize for, for catching you off guard with our haste. No, no, that's quite all right. We didn't, we actually only got word about uh, seven or eight minutes ago that you were coming, you know, because of the relays and right. Um, yes. the uh, delay. It is a rather rushed procedure, I agree. Hopefully we can make the best of it, though. Yes. Um, so uh, you can just uh, contact me on this line uh, if you need anything. Happy, happy to help. My, my name is Casa. Um, I am the uh, president um, of this uh, s section. I think president's the right word. It's, it's, it's overarching leader, right? That's the same thing in common? Yes. Okay, yes. Um, and uh, if you, many people don't actually speak common, so if you have any trouble, the emissary uh, should. I don't know who was sent, uh, but you can contact me here. Excellent. Thank you for your time, uh, President Casa. Uh, we look forward to learning more about your culture. Yes. We're happy to... Uh, interested. Um, we will tell you. Excellent. Close the calm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it takes you about 15 minutes to get to the nav point. Uh, it's empty. It's basically a, f uh, a small um, clearing in the midst of, like, giant palm trees. For, and uh, it's raining a little bit. Um, you could leave uh, your science team here or something else. What do you do? Uh, Chief Armstrong, are you ready to deploy? 
Oh, yeah. Um, I was going to send my guys out, you know, just take a walk around, make sure nothing tries to eat anybody. If it does, shoot it, you know. Right. Well, uh, do you have any uh, non-lethal rounds? Perhaps you could subdue the wildlife in case there's more to be learned from it. Uh, Boys, any of you got non-lethal weapons on you? Jimbo, you have like a stone gun, don't you? Uh, does electric bullets equal equal not dead? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> then yeah. All right, yeah. Uh, Jimbo, you're in front. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Uh, and I will uh, lead me and the Marines out into this clearing. We'll just start doing, you know, a little sweep, a little past the clearing, make sure nothing jumps out at us, tries to rip our faces off. You know, the gist. <laughs> so if you could roll metal. Uh, that is an eight. Okay. Uh, your ragtag bunch of Marines clear uh, the field uh, successfully. Um, but... Uh, Something strange pops up uh, as you do. What is it? Uh, so uh, Jimbo out in front, he's keeping an eye out for, you know, like he's probably thinking like panthers or, you know, weird dinosaur things. And uh, actually there's a not quite carnivorous, but predatory plants. And uh, he walks by a particularly nice rose and leans down to uh, t- to you know take a sniff. And I tell him, Jimbo, don't sniff the flowers. That's just dumb. And the flower grabs onto his face mask and tries to pull him down. <laughs> um, but you know it's a plant, and I pull out a little stabby and uh, just just cut him free. It, everything's okay. He's a little shaken, but uh, all in all, a successful. Sweep and clear. Doesn't look like anything here is going to eat any of our scientists. Okay. Uh, Captain. Yes, Major Touch. Uh, I was wondering if if, uh, if we're allowed to also go down on the planet with the science team? As soon as uh, Chief Armstrong gives us the all clear, uh, everyone's more than welcome to stay within the close proximity of the ship, uh, I understand the curiosity to see a new planet. Oh, good. I love the feeling of rain. Hey, y'all. It's pretty much all clear out here. If you see a purple and yellow flower, give it a wide berth. You know, just do it. Why? Don't worry. You know, it's all good. Um, One of them did try to eat Jimbo. Um, What? uh, Don't worry, Tudgy. Uh, You're way too big for them to eat you. Okay. Uh, I go and check in on the uh, on the science group. Okay, they are all packed up and uh, starting to like put their stuff on the rover so that they can you know set up their their like semi permanent bubble house. Major Manatep, if you could take the helm, I'm going to go uh, planet side with my officers and make sure everything's squared away. Yes, sir. Here you go, Manatep. Bye. Grumble, grumble. <laughs> I love him. He's so cute. I say once we're out of uh, earshot. That's your superior officer. I know. Isn't it adorable? <laughs> it's improper. Yes, sir. <laughs> and I go planet side to check out the new planet. Sure. Uh, so what uh, you guys uh, disembark, the uh, clearing is there in front of you. You're surrounded by trees. The science team is beginning to set up. What do you do? 
So is there like a city around here? Do they live around here? Uh, according to the president, uh, they at least travel by treetop. I, I wonder if perhaps uh, they make their homes there as well. I kind of kind of wanted to meet them. Well, there's an emissary on the way, I, so... That's like one. <laughs> well, we could have a retinue. Okay. <laughs> uh, tell me more about this this plant life. Yeah, so um, it looks like they, uh, you know, just grab little critters and uh, eat them. Uh, but we're, we're all too big. I wouldn't worry too much about it. Unless you see like a real big flower with the, uh, the, the purple and yellow, I think I said. It's probably the same colors I said. Um, maybe just don't, don't sniff the flowers. Yes, I believe we should all stay in the clearing until at least we get m- more information about the wildlife, either from the science crew or from the emissary. Yeah. Is the doctor around? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to walk up to her. So, uh, what are we looking for? Um, biological life. Hey, it's all around. Well done. <laughs> okay, we, we found it. What now? We do research on it. Is there... Uh, is there anything we, you know, we could get for you? Would you? Um, you know, uh, Mabel is actually staying on the ship. She's setting up the comms relay, so we have a, a permanent comms relay. Would you, would you mind going to check on her? Back, back on the ship. Fantastic. I mean, you plan. could stay here, but if you wanted to help. You could go check on Mabel. You did offer to help, right? Yeah, I guess I did. I trundle back on the <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> Okay. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna you, I'm gonna help Mabel with the comms relay. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So you uh uh walk into the room. Ha! Oh hey, hey Mabel, they just Oh, you're so big! Uh, you're so small! <laughs> uh, so Mabel looks like a little sort of like uh, sec- sectioned um, centipede kind of bug with like big shoes and stuff and a bunch of arms. Basically like a, like a, like a bug. Like the centipede from Mario, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, kind of looks like the centipede from Mario, but not yellow. Oh, okay. Like green. Oh, well, hi, hi she's Mabel. A, she's a Daisy Padita. Uh, this is her, like, larval form. Well, Mabel, the, do- the good doctor sent me up to help you set up a permanent comms relay. Thought I could thought I could maybe get that rigged up real quick for you. Oh, could you do that? I've been having... It's really heavy. You're really big. That would be great. Have you seen Major Armstrong anywhere? Uh, I see Major Armstrong lots of places. Oh, I haven't seen him in a long time. I've been trying to find him. Well, he tends to pop up in places that I am, so you're in, you might be in luck. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Um, so, uh, if you can just, like, push this, it's really heavy. Oh, yeah, I, I pick it up. It weighs it, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then she, like, climbs up on the ceiling. Oh, my God, you're so cute. And then she, like arranges it so it's like just at the right angle um okay do you mind if i just jump on to you no i don't mind if you jump onto me <laughs> and she like jumps onto like your shoulder area oh okay i did it is that it that's that's it 
Okay, Mabel, it was nice to meet you. I guess this wasn't so bad after all. Hey, I'm going to go explore this planet. Do you want to come explore the planet? <gasps> that sounds so cool. They never let me leave the ship. I'm too little. Well, come with me. Okay. We'll explore the planet. Yeah, maybe we can find Major Armstrong. Okay. Okay. I guess you can come too. Go <laughs> <laughs> to the third wheel. <laughs> I trundle out. Mabel stays on your shoulder. Uh, I pass by Major Armstrong, but like I have been making an effort to not do so. <laughs> to, uh, but hey, uh, uh, Tudgy, c- come here. Uh, oh. I want you to see one of these flowers. They're real cool. Oh, hey, Steve. And Is I'm this, like, this isn't the same flower you said that tried to eat Jimbo. Nah, nah, that one was you know over there. Um, and I'm like. With my gun, just like poking it, and it like tries to grab onto my gun, and I like pull my gun away, <laughs> and I'm just doing that, and it's it's real cool. I can't help but think you're being mean to it somehow. Um, so I would like you to roll uh, an assessment roll, Steve. <laughs> That's a seven. You, uh, uh, these flowers are 100% carnivorous and also interconnected. Um, you don't come over here. I was already planning not to do that. <laughs> hey, uh, I'm just gonna check in with the rest of my guys real quick. Uh, does anybody not check in? Uh, roll a command, which is, uh, influence. That is a six. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so it seems that uh, the flowers are uh, have like a uh, an acidic toxin, um, and it ate through Jimbo's helmet, and like you know, kind of like the the oh. thermite, like at acidic thermite, and just like Jimbo does not check in. Ah shit! All right, everyone, get back to the clearing. Uh, the flowers are much, 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 much. Nobody touched the flowers. They're far away from the flowers. <laughs> They're real bad. That acid is. Uh, I'm going to go find Jimbo. Got to make a call to a family. <laughs> no. no. Mabel, okay. Mabel, did you want to talk to him? <laughs> no. That's how I feel sometimes, too. I just feel that around him. Who do you feel like that around? Feel like what? Around who? What? Oh. Oh. I guess I misunderstood. No, I think we're in, in agreement here. <laughs> Steve can be off-putting. He puts me off. Oh, you don't like him? Wait, what? Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, as you guys are all sort of heading back into the clearing, uh, you hear a sort of like a Jurassic Park sound far off in the distance. Like a roar? Like a kind of thing, but, you know, like T-Rexy. Chief Armstrong. Uh, Yeah, what up, Captain? I believe we need your Marines... uh, to create a perimeter around the science team? Yeah, uh, so I probably left, you know, like a handful of guys still on the ship. You know, we're just doing a scouting mission. Uh, I'm going to need all, all you fellas on the ship. Uh, get your gear. Come on out. We're going to need a perimeter. Uh, have I found Jimbo yet? You found Jimbo. Is he super dead? Yes. Ah, shit, Jimbo. <laughs> Well, I take his electric bullets. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's also mostly dissolved at this point. Ah, shit, Jimbo. Well, I guess I don't have to take his body back. Uh, I will make my way back to the clearing uh, and just, you know, 
keeping an eye out. Tell all my guys, you know, just keep an eye out for flowers and also dinosaurs, I guess. <laughs> Major Tudge, if you could uh, warm up the engines for me and uh, Lieutenant Hasha, uh, could I get you at the helm, please? Uh, just in case we need to make a getaway from whatever that was. Uh, yes, Captain. Yes, Captain. And I, I go to uh, stand aside the, st- the science crew with the Marines. Uh, Captain, you think maybe that's, you know, not quite the best idea, given um, I'm trying not to say the words. I, I understand your concerns, but not knowing what that was, it might be necessary for me to be here. All right. And I, I check my pack for uh, Captain Dorvin's night-night gas. <laughs> <laughs> Just, uh, if anything should happen, tell your Marines to give me a wide berth. Oh, they know. We, we run a drill every Tuesday. <laughs> uh, Dorvin, you're not sure what Tuesday is. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I'm imagining that most of the Marines are human. Am I correct in that? Yes. All right. So you uh, impose your systems on everyone else and expect that to be the norm? Well, sort of, but also, like, we all get it. So, like, what's the matter what we say? <laughs> don't even know why Mabel probably likes you. <laughs> uh, okay, so you do all that. Um, so you guys are all set up around the science team, which continues to set up. Um, this going to a new area isn't foreign to them, so they know that it's scary. A little of them, the new the new ones, are, are a little sort of shakier. Um and uh, you hear the same sort of roary sound from the same place, generally from the same distance. Can I run a scan from the helm? Sure. At least get the idea of the size of the animal. Uh, yeah, so roll assessment uh, interface. That's a two. Cool. Um, it's the size of a small building. Oh. Um, Captain. Yes, Lieutenant. So you know that weird sound that we've been hearing? Um, yes, it's quite prominent. So that's a big thing, and we probably don't want to run into it. You have it on the scanners. Uh, I can get the basic idea of the size of it, yeah, and it's pretty big. Like maybe, you know, six, seven stories. Should we warn the emissary? Do you have any idea of the uh, location of this creature? Uh, yes, Captain. It's about 30 clicks in that direction. Closer than you'd like. Yeah, m- much closer than we'd probably like, Captain. Is it moving? Is it moving? Not at this time. Not at this time, Captain. All right, we'll hold our ground for now. If that moves at all in, all dire- in our direction, let me know. Yes, Captain. You um, got it. Meanwhile, Iota, would you like to open up a connection to the president? That's the only number I have, right? Of course, Captain. Hello. Hello, this is Captain Dorvin. Uh, may I speak to your mother? Okay. Uh, hello. H- hello? Hello? Hello. This is Captain Dorvin of the GBC. Uh-huh. Hi. Hi, how's it going? Are you there? Uh, yes, we've landed in the clearing. Oh, great, 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 great. Um, we thought that would be like a really interesting place because that's what the, fl- the floral center. So that we thought that that would be a great place for your science team to start. Yes, we've encountered the the flora. Um, However, we heard a rather disconcerting cry uh, of some kind of 
creature, a large creature, and it's about 30 clicks away from us. I wanted to know if maybe you could shed some light on that. Oh, oh, and her eyes get all sort of like really shifty, like she's looking right around for her, like around her for like the threat. Um, Yes, that's the uh, Zaxos. Um, You should not, uh, you should be very quiet, maybe go up in the trees, Uh, but it's very tall, so you have to go up to the very top of the trees. You should just hide. Right. Uh, my science crew is currently setting up a station here in the clearing. Is this not the best place? No, that's the best place. Just, you know, be, be quiet. It's very big. And it eats a lot of people. Right. Is your emissary going to be okay getting to us? <gasps> um, I, let me, I'll be right back. Bunk. <laughs> Captain, the engines are making noise. Do you want me to kill them? How much noise? <laughs> How much noise are the engines making? They're making a lot of noise. They're making, you know, spaceship engine levels of noise. You know, you don't really notice it out in space, but, you know, when you have an atmosphere, you know, the rumbling of a fusion reactor, you know, it can, you know... Good idea, Major Tudge. Uh, go ahead and kill the engines, though. Uh, be prepared to uh, kick them on at a moment's notice. Okay. Uh, and then I'm going to look up. She said Zaxos, yeah? Uh, Zaxos, yeah. Zaxos. Can I look that up? Sure. You can uh, roll assessment. Oh, wait. But we're the With first interface. people to research them. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, yeah, a six. There's not really any information uh, pretty much at all. This Wikipedia entry is a stub. <laughs> you can help us by expanding it. <laughs> um. Mr. Armstrong, let your Marines and the science crew know that uh, that creature is um, dun, dun, attracted dun, dun, dun. to loud noises. Dun, 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 dun. Um, so pass that along. Dun, 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 I'm going to pick up that call. No. Hello? I'm... <laughs> uh, so there is a, uh, you guys aren't looking through the, the front window, uh, but you do. And there is a cozy, like, like knocking on the front window like how do I get in here oh it's not a call oh oh I'm not in a position to answer that I'm in the clearing <laughs> um so that I'm actually not in the helm so I, it's, it's you it's who's just me yeah. yeah oh oh hi hi uh it waves at you captain there's a there's a there's a cousin and go on the ship what should I do I guess I'll just um I point at it and I like point downward to where the entrance and everybody else is and I'm like go down, down, go, go down. <laughs> it takes a minute, but then it like skitters down. I, I go around towards that area to try and intercept. Sure. Uh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Uh, as sure. soon as I see you leave the ship, I'm like, Major Touch. <laughs> <laughs> I need a junior by the engines to kick them on at a moment's notice. Yeah, but there's a there's a going on. I'm not doing the ship right now. I'll I'll. Introduce you when we're not an under eminent threat of a giant creature. <laughs> uh, so okay, I slink backwards. <laughs> uh, so, uh, does our ship have anything in terms of, you know, like all my guys got, you know, their assault rifles and whatever. Do we have anything a little bit bigger in case of large attack happening? Uh, as far as the ship goes, the only weapon we have is an energy cannon, which is not the best weapon to use in the atmosphere. <laughs> planet side sure. as far as collateral damage goes alright uh, I'm going to tell my guys you know just keep quiet everyone just remain calm everything is fine 
Just don't make any noise. Um, and I go to meet with the emissary. Okay. Did you see that? Did I see what? Did you see it? It was over there. I had to go all the way around. Sorry it took me so long. Oh, no, yes. Uh, we, we didn't see it, though. We did get a... Good, a, good. That's a good a thing. A general reading It'll on eat the you. It seems like that's uh, quite a possibility. Yeah, it'll eat you. No, it'll eat everything. Is this a decent it, place it'll for eat us? Everything. To, is this a decent place for us to set up? Yeah, there's a great place. <laughs> <laughs> should we be worried about the uh, what was it called again? You should be worried. You should always worry. Worry keeps you alive. Oh damn! Right, I'm Captain Doravin. You are. Hi, uh, Senner. 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 Uh, Senner, pleasure to meet you. You too. Are you going to hide? I'm going to hide. Uh, yes, let's go inside the ship and we can have a chat. Oh, is that the metal thing? Yes. Okay. Is your race, your race is a spacefaring race. Have you not seen a spaceship before? No. Interesting. Um, let's, uh, let's go on in. Okay. And uh, we go into, I guess, my, my quarters. Yeah. Senna, um, I have a rather vague description of, uh, of my mission here. My commander did not give me the most information. I understand that... Uh, the Kozaloon Goa homeworld is just now allowing uh, scientists to Yeah, we don't let people research. here. There's the people room. aren't allowed here. Right. Um, Except for you. We appreciate the, uh, the hospitality. Um, is there anything I should know about the surrounding area or... Uh, don't touch the, the flowers. Bar? Right. We figured that one out. Oh, good. Um, you were sent here to uh, possibly deliver a data packet on... Uh, on the general wildlife, what we should be on the lookout for. Do you have anything for us? Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. So, um, okay. So, the thing is, is that you just have to be cautious. You just always have to, you got to be on the move. But I guess you guys aren't going to be on the move. So, what we're going to do, our plan, is we're going to go in big circles around you. So, everything's going to chase us instead of you while you guys are here. Oh, is that, um, and you'll be all right? Probably not. We're probably all going to die. I feel like there might be a better course of action. I'd, ha- I'd hate for you to sacrifice your lives just so our side. I mean, we would die get- anyway, because they're probably going to chase us anyway. Really, it's just like, if you, that's just how it is. What kind of population are you looking at here as the Coastal Goa? What? We're- the population on the planet? Like how many of us? Yes. Oh, there's lots. Do you have a number? Uh, and he actually, like, uh, puts his hand up like backwards so his fingers are against his uh, left eye and sort of like sub-vocalizes something and then is like, oh, um, in common, it's four billion. That is a rather large number. Um, what were your what were your parameters when you were sent to us? Well, oh. to share that information, anything else? Yeah, so... That's our tactical plan, is to run away but be loud about it. And so they'll chase us. And most of us will mostly live, but a lot of us will die. But that would happen anyway. But it's fine, because that's the whole point of being in the military, is is to be the fodder. It brings us back to our, our, our mother in the roots. So this is a standard procedure for you? Yes. Right. Well, I'd hate to... Everything's too big. We can't fight it. That would be silly. Are you sure about that? <laughs> Is there a way to deter? No. If you hit him, it makes him angry. Don't do that. We tried that once. It was bad. <laughs> um, Is there a way I can reach you as you're commanding your troops? 
sure. Uh, ooh, 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 I'll leave, I'll leave one of us here, and then you can tell us. Do you have a, a way of communicating without technology? Yeah. Interesting. Would you actually, perchance, leave two of your men here with us? One to operate on the ship, and then another to assist the science crew. Some kind of guide, as it were? Sure. Excellent. I look forward to working with you. Okay. I, I re- gotta go. I reach out my hand to shake. He flinches. Oh, no, um, this is, this is a sign of respect. Um, uh, we take each other's hands, and it seems rather silly to describe, but then you move the hands up and down, and that's, uh, it's a way to show a respectful agreement between two people. But what if space dirt is lethal? <laughs> I suppose... You have the right to have that fear, but never mind. I nod my head. (laughs) I look forward to working with you. Okay. Is there a way we could have overheard that conversation? Uh, That's up to the captain. I wouldn't. You wouldn't broadcast that? No, no. I would then get you all on the comms and let you all know. Yeah, can you give us a rundown? Yeah, I do give you a rundown. Cool. (laughs) Okay, so let me get this straight. So just because it's standard operating procedure for a bunch of... Cozy Lungoa to sacrifice themselves. You're just going to let that happen? Major Tudge, we're not here to change their culture. We're here to observe their culture. Uh, I'm sorry, Captain, but I know how much you love the book, but I think this is one of the times where we're supposed to go off book. Captain, they don't even have advanced technology. You know, I have a vehicle. That would be much faster than them just running around and making noise. They can set up turrets. We have space marines. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> they are a spacefaring uh, culture, are they, are they not? Um, they are in that they've there have been some that have gone to space. None, they have not built a spacecraft, and most of them, um, because they are prey animals, uh, haven't had the rest <clears throat> and time to build highly advanced uh, technology. So how have they gotten off if very few people are allowed to go to the planet? Uh, they they did build like a basically a messenger relay mm-hmm. and kind of broadcast out like, mm-hmm. hey, we decided to let you know that we're here, but we've been watching you for a really long time mm-hmm. kind of thing. All right, no. Do you really think that it's like a, a cultural necessity for them to run interference by throwing themselves at uh, carnivorous monsters? I don't know anything about them yet. That's why we're here. Well, maybe I'll talk to the emissary. <laughs> you could probably intercept him on the way out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, I'm going to try to do that. Okay. Major touch by no means. Giant, giant Dillo <laughs> blocks this, uh, this emissary's way. Hi! <laughs> <laughs> also, I still have Mabel on my shoulder. Hi! Uh, Hi! Uh, I'm Araman Touch. What's your name? Sen. Hi, Sen. Uh, hey, I, I heard from the captain that you, you guys are going to help us research by uh, guarding the perimeter? Yep, that's the plan. Well, okay, so what if I made a counteroffer of a different plan? What if we took care of the perimeter? Would you be okay with that? Would that be imposing our culture? <laughs> <laughs> I, enter, I enter the hallway. <laughs> Major Tudge, please. <laughs> I, I apologize. Uh, 
Senna. Wait, I want to hear the answer. Um, well, uh, so if you did how, are you really fast? Oh, we've got something fast. Absolutely. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Lieutenant Hasha. Sorry, Captain. I know I'm sneaky. <laughs> um, well, so you'll just run away? Uh, that's you. We could we could trap it, Captain. We could use it. The scientist could study it that way. But what about its mom? This is the child. Is, yeah. Is the mom nearby? Uh, kinda. How do you know? Well, it's it's the thing that pulls up the roots. So you don't know. Okay. So <laughs> so we're all from the roots. And then we live in the trees, and then we return to the roots. And so when we, when we return to the roots, which is when, when we get eaten, um, then, then we complete the cycle and we come from the roots again. But if we get eaten by the, the root upturner, which is the mom, then, um, then we don't return to the roots and we just... Where our lives are meaningless. Huh. That's awful. Oh, oh no. And, and, and this root upturner is close by? Well, it lives in the ground. Oh. Oh. So it's always nearby. And it is, it is the, the opposing force to our, our root mother. Huh. And, and this thing is, that's far away and, and is yelling, that's, that's the baby? Yes, it's the, it's the season's um, child. And then when it dies, another one is sprouted. Oh my. So there's only one at a time? Yes. And this is the primary threat to your race? Well, that and the cat monsters. <laughs> Are there any of those nearby? <laughs> I don't know. They're really sneaky. Excellent. We'll deal with those if we ever come across them, I suppose. Cat monsters. That sounds like fun. <laughs> I'm just going to check in with my guys again real quick. <laughs> sure. Is that another uh, command roll? Yeah. That is a seven. Um, so they all report back, um, but uh, Billy Bob, um, he uh, sounds funny. Billy Bob, say that again. You sound kind of funny. Well, I was saying, it's fine here. Hey, Chuck, can you go check on Billy Bob? Um, <laughs> keep a lookout for, like, spores or, you know, like, gas clouds or also cat monsters. <laughs> okay. Aye, <laughs> aye, sir. I guess. And, uh, uh Greg, go with Chuck. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Captain, think about it. If we could capture this beast, not only would our research team have a lot to study, but we could also... You know, put a big stressor off of these Kozlingoa. Uh, uh, if, if we, you know, remove one of their major predators, maybe they might have some time to, you know, stop dying and invent some stuff. Uh, Senna. Yeah. What What is the disadvantageous terrain for this creature? Do you have a canyon nearby? Oh, we just hide in the trees. Right. What does this creature not like? Trees. If we go in the tallest trees, it has to knock the trees down. That's a lot of work. It usually just chases after some of the rest of us. I'm getting an idea already. It can't jump. Permission to speak freely, Mr. Tudge? 
Well, what if uh, what if we arranged some kind of trap in those trees so that when it knocked them down, it the trees fell on top of it? We could, you know, uh, and, and build some kind of structure, a cage of some kind. Uh, I'm sure I could rig up, uh, got some. We could rig up some chainsaws and some explosives, maybe. Uh, Mr. Senna, is uh, do you have any engineers uh, amongst your men? Who could work with Mr. Touch on this device? Uh, he puts his left uh, hand up to his left eye again and sub-vocalizes. We, we don't know what a, a near is. Uh, crafty. Uh, like clothes? Or people who build your home. Builders! We have yes. lots of builders. Yeah, we have lots of builders. Excellent. Could you give uh, Mr. Touch a detachment to look over? I resent being called a crafty. <laughs> uh, well, but then that'll be less of us to run away. Do you want to... Um... No, we can... Uh, Lieutenant Hasha can uh, use the ship's, uh, ship's capabilities to distract the, uh, the creature. Oh. It's um... a rather large ship, a rather loud ship, and very fast. Uh, so you can roll leadership? Nine. Uh, yeah. Uh, so he says that he'll do what he can to get as many as you need. All right. Uh, to make it so that, um, uh, you are able to communicate with us, um, Lieutenant Hasha, uh, Major Tudge, do either of you have a, a comm relay we could, uh, send Senna with? I actually just set up a couple comm relays <laughs> with Mabel. Yeah, we did. <laughs> Oh, I did not realize one of the science crew was sitting in on this officer's meeting. Hi! Oh, yeah, uh, we've just been hanging out, getting to know each other. I, I apologize, uh, Mabel, was it? Yeah. I apologize, I didn't notice you. That's um, okay, Ms. Armstrong's here. Uh, excuse me? Nothing, she's just being a little shy. It's okay, right. that's a in loud... The, in the future, uh, Major, if you could... Avoid bringing outside people into the officers' discussions. That would be fantastic. Yes, Captain. You're not an outside people, Mabel. You're, you're with me. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> Senna, we will give you one of our devices so that you may communicate with us while you are out in the uh, trees. Oh. That way we can better coordinate. Uh, similar to the way you've been communicating with your men, uh, it's how we communicate. I thought I was just going to send some people to you. Right, but you're going to be mustering your, so, your, your men in the, uh, out in the, okay, in the forest, so right? Okay, so how does it work? Uh, so at this point, I've been out in the clearing, you know, with my dudes, just trying to clear everything out. I'm going to pop up in this <laughs> conversation, walk up the ramp. Uh, and uh, um, one... Well, I have a question for Senate too. You know they're telepathic, right? Has that not been obvious? Well, yes, but I don't believe. Are you able to communicate with creatures other than Kozalun Koa using your methods? I asked Senator. No. Right. Right, but you're gonna have some here. Should anything happen to either of the the Kozalun Koa that are with us, we can still communicate with Senna and his men. Okay, sure. Redundant procedures so as to have <laughs> fallbacks. I forgot how much you like backups, Captain. Sorry. <laughs> right. Now for my second point. Senna, how hard exactly did you say you hit this thing when you tried to fight it last time? 
I'm just capturing things is great, but it's my old training kicking in. I have a plan to kill everything. Um, <laughs> yeah, when you when you tried to kill the uh, the Zaxos uh, before, what'd you do? Well, uh, nobody survived that. I wasn't there. Uh, mm-hmm. No kind of recount of the events? Or? I, I, I think there was like a catapult involved. <laughs> All right. All right. So uh, just out of curiosity, I don't want to discount catapults given the right ordinance. Did the catapult throw rocks or like a bomb? I, I don't know. Okay. Uh, just as a backup plan, our ship can turn invisible and we have an energy cannon on it. Right. Uh, backup plan, indeed. <laughs> all right. Just so y'all know. Hey, uh, anyone find Billy Bob yet? What are you looking for? He's over here, though. Ah, shit. Are you having trouble with your men? Hey, Senna. You know anything that uh, on the ground that uh, puts people to sleep or makes oh, them sort yeah, of Oh, yeah, that's the puffy stuff. Ah, great. <laughs> Did they touch the puffy stuff? I tell all my guys, keep your masks closed. That's like day one. <laughs> yeah, is it rule one? Like, don't touch the puffy stuff? Even I know that. Now, Senna, are they definitely dead or just incapacitated? I don't know. They usually get eaten if we fall into the puffy stuff. Okay. Uh, we never last that long. You just leave people behind. That's what you do. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to get uh, one of the, uh, I'm going to get a handful of my guys. We're going to go grab the, uh, the, the spacesuits you know, with the presumably extra protection against <laughs> things outside of the spacesuits. And we're going to go rescue Billy Bob, Chuck, and Greg. Uh, <laughs> excellent. Um, uh, go ahead, roll command. <laughs> with, uh, instead of influence, though, roll it with... Metal? Because you're you're trudging through crap to go lift them home. That is a thirteen. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, you find them there asleep. Billy Bob's foot is currently being eaten by some kind of flower animal. But not dissolved. But not dissolved. Different right. flower animal. Great. All flowers bad. Check that box off. <laughs> uh, and uh, his his hab suit is like pretty much completely destroyed. Great, great, just great. All right. Uh, so uh, Tim and uh, Wendell are gonna gonna pick up the other, the other two, and uh, I'll grab Billy Bob. We'll we'll drag him back to camp. <laughs> uh, while he's off, I'm going to talk to um, uh, Doctor Emodin. Mm-hmm. It seems like the the ground is not the best place to set up um, a stationary. Uh, camp. Uh, do your survey kits have anything for uh, elevated lodgings, perhaps up in the trees? Um, yes, we can do that. Uh, we just need a method of staying up there for long enough to build the platform. Uh, it's only about a 20-minute procedure, uh, but we will need some th- something to lift us up there. We do hey, did it. someone say block and tackle? <laughs> oh, hey. <laughs> hey, do we need a pulley system? Um, it does appear so. Hey, how do you guys like mechanical advantage? Because I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you can roll for that. See how well you do. 
I'm assuming expertise. Yeah. Uh, seven. Yeah. So you're able to, it takes a little bit longer than you would normally do, but, uh, and there's a little bit of a hiccup. Uh, what's that? <laughs> the whole thing is at a slant. <laughs> 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 okay, so you are able to build everything in about a half an hour, and it's slightly tilted. <laughs> perfect. It's perfect. Uh, I assist uh, Chief Armstrong uh, getting his men to the med bay to be treated for their injuries. Sure. Yeah, guys, don't go out in the forest anymore. Just stay in the clearing. I said perimeter. Like, <laughs> perimeters don't move. <laughs> Quit but, touching things. <laughs> but everything's pretty. Is that one of my guys still out in the field? No. This is the guy in the mebe. Right, I don't give a <laughs> shit about him. He's a dumbass. <laughs> uh, while while I'm constructing this thing, can I like can I like be on a com relay with Mabel? Sure. So you like Steve? You like Steve. <laughs> no, I actually don't that much, but you like Steve? You you are a liar. Oh, I I know denial when I see it cuz I'm in it all the time. <laughs> He's just so pretty. Well, I mean to each her own, but you know, I I do I do know him. Maybe I could set you up. No. Why, why not? He won't like me. Well, maybe. Hey, so I read a lot of books. And the one thing I've learned from the books that I've read, love conquers all. <laughs> That's the prettiest thing anybody's ever said. Oh, and, oh, and, and one more. Force is, is mass times acceleration. <laughs> <laughs> That's not as pretty. No, it's, you're right. It's not as good. You should have switched them. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, by the end of this day, you and Steve are going to be in love. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds crazy. You're crazy. <laughs> Maybe I am. <laughs> oh, it just dropped a little bit. Oh, sorry. Yeah, uh, uh, back back on belay. Sorry. It's fine. Sorry, sorry. I, I I just had to I had to just, you know lift myself a little bit to say you know maybe I am because I was being dramatic. No, I like it. <laughs> maybe I am. Ah, yeah. Hey Herman, how's the pulley going? Oh, it's great. Thanks. It's a little tilted. What? You know you notice that how. It's just sort of tilted. Oh, let me look at my blueprints. My blueprints are a slant. <laughs> like a 30 degree angle. Oh, you know, you might actually have something there, Steve. <laughs> oh, uh, hey, Steve. Uh, just, just wondering, do, do you know Mabel from comms? Well, yeah, Herman, I got a lot of free time on my hands. <laughs> I know everyone. <laughs> what What do you think about her? Uh, Isn't I mean, she great? I mean, we've never really talked. Well, maybe you should. Okay. <laughs> Herman? What? I'm going to tell you something right now. Okay. You're acting weirder than usual. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I am, nope, Steve. That's a definite yes. <laughs> maybe I am. <laughs> All right, Herman. I'm going to go make sure none of my guys are eaten by cat monsters. <laughs> <laughs> Keep an eye out for cat monsters, by the way. 
What? <laughs> uh, Lieutenant Hasha. Um, yes, Captain. Has the creature moved at all? Has the creature moved at all? Roll interface. Just uh, taking a look now, Captain. Give me a second. Um, that is a six. Uh, yeah, it's moved. Oh, sorry, it's a seven. It's a seven. It is a seven. My bad. So uh, it has moved laterally to your position, and it's moved much faster than you think it should have. Wait, so it's where we are now, right now? No, 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 laterally. So to oh, okay, so it's, so it's like right next to us. It's, it's not, the same distance. It's the yeah. same distance, okay, but I see, I see. in a different place. And like, it's gone in like a, it's like almost 30 degrees from where it was in the circle. Oh, uh, Captain, um, it moves real quick, Captain. It's not anywhere near to us, but it's just like a little bit more like that way. 30, um... Real quick, as in you're concerned about the capabilities of the ship? Uh, not maybe that quick, but uh, it's fast enough that it could sneak up, us, uh, sneak up on us pretty quick. Well, um, as long as we are loud, we might be able to draw it away no matter what, even if we are cloaked. So is, we have that going for us. That is true, yeah. Um, Should we go into cloak mode now, Captain? No, that, that won't help. We want, if anything, we want to be seen so we can try and lead it away if it comes right. into the clearing and doesn't eat the science crew. Yeah, well, fingers crossed, Cap. <laughs> um, I'm uh, going to enter the, the bridge with uh, Hasha. Okay. Um, uh, now let's see if we can get a scan of the surrounding area. All right, here I go. I'm going to do a big old, big old scan this time. May I assist? Uh, sure, you can get involved. Oh, thanks for the assist, Cap. I got a six. Uh, I rolled uh, six as well. <laughs> hey, you guys both have minus one interface. Um, yeah, so uh, your scan reveals nothing of interest other than the uh, big hulking thing in the distance. Yeah. Oh, these these uh these scanners must be broken. I'll have Dodge take a look at them. Ah, they're real old, Captain. Those humans aren't very good at making scanning equipment. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> You've seen our guns, though, right? <laughs> the guns are very impressive. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Major Tudge, how are we going on the uh, the encampment for the scientists? Uh, it's it, it is perfect. It is just a few degrees from perfect. <laughs> All right, um, uh, Chief Armstrong, uh, are your men set to continue to protect the uh, the scientists from cat monsters? Fellas, have we? Been, you know, have we cleared up the confusion about what perimeter means? Yes, sir. And all of them check in? Yes, sir. All right, guys. Yes, Captain. They are prepared to remain still and not touch anything unless I tell them. <laughs> <laughs> um, is Chief Armstrong the only one who can uh, control the uh, cloaking? field, or is that something anyone can control? Anybody can control it. It exists because Steve is on the ship. Yeah, you, it's real simple, Captain. You just turn it to on. I know you have your issues with technology. I'm sure I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> just turn it to on. Um, in that case, uh, could you look over your Marines and make sure everything goes fine on this end while we uh, go and distract a giant monster into a trap? Tudge, we need to set up that trap. Yes! Working on it. <laughs> uh, so have all the uh, have all scientists made it up into the tree at this point? Uh, they are setting up their stuff now that Tudge's platform uh, is up there for them. All right. Then I'm going to have 
I'm going to head up there as well, and my guys will head up there as well. Because I'd rather shoot at something from the top of a tree than on the ground with cat monsters. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And with that, we will end for today. What's going to happen? Cat monsters. (laughs) (laughs) This podcast has been brought to you by ENPC Productions. All rights reserved. The Essential NPCs podcast is not affiliated with, endorsed, or specifically approved by Sean Gomes, the creator of Uncharted Worlds, powered by the Apocalypse. The Apocalypse World engine is property of Lumpley Games, owned by Vincent Baker. For more information, go to www.uncharted-worlds.com or www.lumpley.com. Dot lumply dot com.